This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 213. So before I start this week's episode, I wanted to take a moment and apologize to my listeners that you haven't gotten a new episode for the last couple of weeks. Now, generally, when my wife and I go on vacation back home to visit family in New York and Pennsylvania, I take my Rodecaster Pro and my microphone and mic stand with me and all the cables, and I do my podcast from up there. It doesn't always work out well. Um, We stay with my daughter, Heather, and uh, she's got a big, beautiful house in the city of Southport, New York, Um, and she's got a big, beautiful half-German shepherd, half-husky dog named Dexter, and Dexter likes to howl, so sometimes in the past, I would be in the middle of recording my podcast, somebody would come to the door, he'd start howling, and it would spoil the recording and everything, so I figured I'd just take a break because it was the holidays. So I apologize to my listeners that you haven't gotten a new episode for a couple of weeks. I hope you'll forgive me. And I hope that you had a safe and wonderful holiday season. I hope everybody had a Merry Christmas and a happy and safe New Year. Uh, Definitely no drinking and driving, that's for sure. (laughs) Okay, so now we're back home in North Carolina, and I'm recording this episode. You're listening to this uh, episode 213 is the new episode for January 6th, 2022. Believe it or not, we're into 2022 now. Uh, It's crazy. I remember when I was in high school and my brothers and sisters would complain about going to school. And my mom would say, enjoy it while you can, because once you get out of school, the decades fly by. And boy, was she not kidding. Wow. I can't believe it's been over 30 years since I graduated already. It's just insane. All right. So enough of that. So anyways, in this episode, I wanted to circle back to a topic that I had talked about before back in episode 95. And that topic is Apple Silicon what does it mean? And in that episode, I talked about Apple's announcement that they were moving to making their own CPU slash GPU chips for the Mac computers going forward. The change was due to limitations on the part of Intel processors. Now, don't get me wrong. I have been a fan of Intel processors for a long time. They are quality CPUs and far superior to AMD in every possible way. Well, now Apple has hit a wall with the Intel CPUs, and they moved on to building their own uh, their new computers with what they are calling Apple Silicon. Now, in addition to uh, generating less heat and requiring less power to operate in their computers, Apple has gone to the ARM or ARM architecture as it is more capable and uses a more simplified, streamlined machine language versus the x86 platform that Intel and AMD CPUs are based on. Now, the very first CPU Apple announced, they called the Apple M1, which is a beefier, more powerful upgraded CPU from the CPUs in their Apple iPad Pro models. And so far, over the last little bit of time, Apple has released 
the following Mac computers with their own Apple Silicon processors. You have the 14-inch MacBook Pro from 2021. You have the MacBook Pro 16-inch model from 2021. You have the 24-inch iMac with the M1 that was released in 2021. You have the Mac Mini with M1, which was released in 2020. The MacBook Air with the M1 and the MacBook Pro 13-inch with the M1. Both of those were released in 2020 as well. Now, I personally bought a 2020 MacBook Pro 13-inch with the M1 earlier this year. And I also purchased my wife Tina and I the 2020 model of the Mac Mini with the M1. Now, all three of these systems came equipped with 8 gigabytes of RAM and 1 terabyte of solid-state storage, which I wouldn't recommend going with less than a terabyte, especially if you're a photographer or videographer. You really need the space. I know you can use external drives. I prefer to do my post-processing on the internal drive and then move the finished images out to a separate USB drive at that point or network attached storage. Either one works. And remember, it's always good to do the follow the 321 model where you have three of everything and you back up in two separate locations and at least one is off-site. So God forbid if your house burns to the ground, you don't lose all your raw files because you save one backup copy somewhere else with a family member or in a storage locker. Um, or in a a safety deposit box with the bank or the post office, something like that. But in any case, I don't want to drag that out. So my previous Mac, which was a late 2015 27-inch iMac with quad-core Intel CPU, and I bumped it up myself to 64 gigabytes of RAM. Now, when I first bought it, it had a 2-terabyte Fusion drive, as Apple calls it. It's basically a 24-gigabyte solid-state drive for the OS, and then the 2-terabyte old-style 7200-RPM platter drive is where all of your files and documents and all of that stuff get stored. I didn't like that. I wanted full solid-state, but I didn't want to pay Apple's price for it. So being it was an iMac, and at the time Apple still allowed it, I took mine to a place called Micro Center in Marietta, Georgia, and I had them swap out the Fusion drive for a one terabyte solid state drive that I got from Otherworld Computing. And uh, Otherworld Computing is like the premier uh, source for upgrades for RAM and solid state drives and stuff like that for Mac computers. It's what they specialize in. They make high quality, very awesome equipment for your Mac. And their SSDs are considerably faster than the ones that Apple uses at this time. And I'm not bashing Apple. I'm just saying the stuff that OWC has is faster and it's more powerful. So after nine months, which is now, I've been using the M1 Mac. And in comparison with with my iMac, I can tell you that the Apple M1 Silicon processor runs circles around the Intel CPU. Now, again, I'm not telling you this to disparage Intel in any way, shape, or form. All I'm saying is that the new CPUs with the new ARM code is just so much faster and literally only sips power. My 2013-inch MacBook Pro with the M1 can run for a full 24 hours before I need to charge it. My previous 13-inch MacBook Pro from 2017 with quad-core Intel CPU 
can go about 10 hours before it needs a charge uh, to be charged again, which is still decent for a laptop. Now, remember, that is not while doing Final Cut Pro 10 video editing on either one or uh, extensive video editing or on either one. But let's talk about video editing for just a moment. Now, on my iMac, a 20-minute 1080p video that I edited to post to my YouTube channel took around 12 minutes to export with all of the titles and plugins that I added to the video, you know, to make it the way I wanted it. Now, I took that same video, those same raw video files from my cameras, and I processed the video and exported it from my M1 Mac Mini. And it only took a little bit under three minutes to complete. So it was around four times faster. That's just insane. Now, the Final Cut Pro 10 software is just so much faster and more responsive than it is on any quad-core Intel Mac. And not too long ago, I ran across a video uh, shortly after the first M1 Mac Minis came out. And this gentleman, he's primarily a videographer, but he does do some photography. Um, but he did a, a YouTube video he put on his channel, and I, and I honestly can't remember his name. I'll have to see if I can find it. And if I do find the video, I'll add it to the link in the show notes. You know, it's a link in the show notes for you. But he does tons and tons of video work. Now... He had in his possession a $4,000 maxed out 17-inch MacBook Pro. Now, he had maxed out the RAM in this. He had the highest processors he could go, quad-core Intel. And he had just maxed out the solid-state drive, I think, at 4 terabytes or something like that. Um, but like I said, he, he said in this video he spent $4,000 maxing out the 17-inch MacBook Pro that he used to use for video editing. And in this video of his, he compared his $4,000 MacBook Pro to the base $800 model Mac 1 Mini. And the Mini ran circles around his way more expensive MacBook Pro. It was able to do everything faster. Even with his maxed out, as he had that MacBook Pro with the Intel processor and GPU, he had to use proxies to process his 4K videos for his YouTube channel. And with the M1 Mac Mini with just a one terabyte solid state drive and eight gigs of RAM, he could process the same 4K video and not use any proxies at all. And the video would export about four times faster, just like my experience. And I was impressed because that was 4K. I'm only doing 1080p. So you're talking even with a 4K video, the Mac Mini, the, the M1 chip can just handle it so much faster and more efficiently than the Intel CPUs can. Now, if you think about it, it's not like Apple doesn't have a proven track record with their ARM CPUs, as this is the exact same architecture that they used for years in their iPhones, iPod Touch, and their iPads. They've been using these CPUs for over 10 years now. And those devices have been hugely successful and make Apple into the multi-billion dollar company that they are today. Now, if you own any of these devices, you already know. They are great at managing their power. Their batteries last for a long time on a single charge. And everything just processes smoothly and quickly. And of course, you know, every year or so, Apple comes out with a new generation of each device. 
and they make new improvements to it, new tweaks, new changes. They come out with a new version of the CPU that's even more energy efficient and more powerful at processing. It just keeps better and better. It just keeps getting more efficient and faster at doing what you need it to do. And that's why their devices are hugely successful. Okay, but another new item that Apple has added since they released their M1 systems that I wanted to talk about briefly is the new Touch ID keyboards. Now, these allow any M1 Mac system to have the same Touch ID technology as their previous editions of the iPhones and iPads that had the home button with the Touch ID built in and also the Touch Bar equipped MacBook Pro models, which I have. Both of my 13-inch Pro ones are the Touch ID Touch Bar models. And these new keyboards, of course, are not cheap by any stretch of the imagination. The smaller form factor one is like $149, and the large one with the with the uh, numeric pad attached to the end of it, like a regular Intel or, Mac, or PC keyboard, I should say, they're like $169 or $179. So they're not cheap by any stretch of the imagination. But I had to have one for my Mac Mini, is it is just so useful to be able to use Touch ID on my desktop. And it saves me a lot of time, you know, if my Apple Watch is charging, uh, you know, because I have my Mac set up so I can unlock it, you know, I can log on to it with my Apple Watch. But if my Apple Watch is on its charger, I can't do that. But I can still just rub my finger on the trackpad to bring the, uh, shut the screensaver off. And instead of having to type in my password, I just set my index finger on the Touch ID button and bam, I'm logged into my Mac. So it's extremely convenient and it's a very secure and safe architecture that Apple has developed. Their Touch ID system is very secure and it's just so handy. It just makes life easier when working with your desktop computer. Now, some people find it more difficult to transition from a MacBook Pro size keyboard to the larger model that has the number pad, especially if you're used to typing without looking. Now, as someone who's been a programmer off and on for 30 plus years, I've worked in IT for over 30 years now, I've gotten used to working on all kinds of keyboards. And I'm able to adapt fairly quickly and easily from a full-size keyboard with a number pad to a laptop size keyboard or even the smaller iPad Pro Magic Keyboard, which is what I'm typing. I type these show notes up on to begin with. But moving on about the Apple M1 Max, even the new GPU in the Apple Silicon models is just so much faster at rendering items on your screen. The graphics processing power is on par with the performance of a really high-end NVIDIA graphics card that I used for many years in my PC-based systems. With their advanced metal and machine processing capabilities, the M1s are not only fantastic for editing and processing videos, but for gaming as well, if you're into that kind of stuff. Now, I don't do too much in a way of gaming these days other than an occasional game of Sid Meier's Railroads or... Uh, I do like to pay, play Marvel Strike Force on my iPad uh, because I have my grandson on my my team, and my, we're ally, we have a little alliance, so he and I play that together because I can't see him all the time. You know, he lives in New York, I live in North Carolina, so we play that together and we chat through the game and stuff like that. Now, their newer GPU is also 
a major plus for editing photos as well. And that's what I wanted to talk about in this. I'm not trying to, this isn't an ad for Apple. I'm just trying to tell you, after nine months, my experience with the Apple M1 Silicon. And whether it's RAW files from my Canon EOS R, the RP, the R6, or my Fujifilm GFX 50R with its massive 50 megapixel sensor and wide dynamic range, I have tested raw editing in Lightroom, Photoshop, and Capture One Pro 22. And it's refreshing to be able to pixel peep all you want at any zoom level and not have to wait for rendering at all. Switching through the various tabs, whether it's library or develop module, or in Photoshop using as many layers or filters as you want with no processing delay in either rendering, exporting, or saving it back into Lightroom Classic CC. Everything is just so fast and fluid, it's just absolutely amazing. And it's a lot of, it's a lot off your mind when you don't spend your time as doing your post-processing, waiting on your hardware to catch up to what you're trying to do. It just makes life so much easier. Now I'm going to pause for a quick break right here, and then I'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com. And you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag. Hashtag Liam Photo Podcast. And now back to the show. And we're back. Okay, so to me, Apple made a genius move switching to the M1 Silicon processor because now all of their devices use the exact same architecture, which makes their coding and their programs streamlined and capable of running on all Apple devices. And third-party developers can now easily transition their code from iPhone to iPad to Mac. And it also makes security implementation in all their devices so much easier. With their neural engine and machine learning accelerators, Mac users will have a truly all-inclusive technology platform across every piece of hardware they own. And it just makes your life more convenient so that you're wasting less time. Now, they have something that they released uh, not too long ago called Apple Arcade for those that like to game. And it's built into all Apple devices, including the Apple TVs. Now, Apple allows you to directly compete, or they are able to directly compete with the likes of the Microsoft Xbox and the Sony PlayStation consoles. There is also the added benefit that Apple already has vast partnerships with some of the largest game developers in the world, such as EA Games and Activision, just to name a couple. And there are many others out there that are far too numerous for me to remember off the top of my head, but you get the picture. Now, Fortnite was on Apple as well until the two companies had a falling out. Apple said back in October of 2021 that they will never allow Fortnite back into the App Store. 
which is sad for the millions of gamers that love to play that title. But so many others are still in there that Apple Arcade is still growing. And the fact that Apple offers their entire game library in Arcade as a subscription service, a gamer can have access to everything that they love to play. Now, Apple recently enhanced their subscription services to include the all-new, all-inclusive package called Apple One, which gives you all six of their subscription services for one low monthly price. You can have Apple Music Plus, Apple TV Plus, Apple Arcade Plus, Apple iCloud Plus, Apple News Plus, and Apple Fitness Plus. And you can share the services with up to five family members, and each one has their own totally private access to all of the combined services across all their devices. And I know, like I said, you probably think this episode's turning into an ad for Apple, but no. I'm just pointing out how their M1 platform is a step in the right direction for the company and their users. It's also why I find myself recommending Apple computers more and more to average home users, and especially photographers and videographers as well. When you can have such a powerful system for as little as $800, why would you want to use anything else? For years, I recommended Ubuntu Linux for everyone, for home users especially, uh, because it's a great software, it's easy to use, and extremely secure. And I still highly recommend it if you want to stay in the PC realm. This is a much better operating system than anything Microsoft puts out. It's more secure, it's faster, and you don't have to worry as much about viruses and all of that stuff because almost all the viruses that are written are designed to attack Microsoft software. But Linux is still limited in the ability to use the best photo or video editing software. And that's not Linux's fault. None of the software developers have felt the need to port their software over to Linux. And I'm hoping someday that'll change. I keep hoping Adobe will port their software over to include Linux, as it is very similar to Mac OS. Mac OS is Unix-based. Unix and Linux. Uh, Unix is basically Linux's father, uh, if you want to look at it that way. Um, but I don't know if they ever will. But the number of people that are consistently every year switching to either Apple or Linux has been growing. It's been growing for the last 10 to 15, 20 years now. And a lot of the saw the computer companies out there like Dell and HP, they switched all their employee systems over to Linux because they understand the benefit. And Linux is free software unless you get one of the specialized editions like uh, Red Hat Enterprise Linux, which is for co you know company servers and stuff like that. Most of the various Linux distributions are completely free. And it's fantastic software. You can put Linux on a system, on a PC, that ran like crap with Windows 7, 8, or 10, or the new 11, I think, has come out now. And you can wipe the hard drive, put Ubuntu Linux on it, and it'll run 10 times faster. And if you replace the, the old-style platter-driven hard drive that's inside the computer with a modern solid-state drive, oh, my God, then you're talking 100 times faster. It's insane the kind of performance you can get. And that's why I tell people all the time, don't run out and constantly buy a new computer if your old one, especially in the PC world, if your old one is getting slow and sluggish after two or three years of using it, 
upgrade the memory in it, and then switch over to a solid state hard drive, you will see a tremendous improvement. Now, the other main advantage of switching to Apple's M1 systems is the fact that Apple's computers last much longer than your average PC-based system. Uh, and they're usually considerably more valuable. A PC, after a number of years, usually about a year or two years, they're about as valuable as a paperweight because the technology is just rapidly changing all the time. You can upgrade to a newer Mac every two or three years, and you can still sell your old one for most of the money you paid for it originally because they just hold their value. And I, you know, it's crazy, but they do. Uh, Mac computers, Apple devices in general hold their value like antique cars do. Uh, it's insane. But it's great for you, the consumer, because like I said, you can upgrade to the new newest item every two or three years and make most of your money back selling your previous item. Or you can hand it down to your kids or grandkids. I do that frequently. All right. So that is going to wrap up episode 213 of the Liam Photography Podcast. And I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you might be listening to your podcast. Also, check out my Liam Photography YouTube channel. Subscribe to the channel. Watch the videos. Comment on them. Like them. Share them. Hit the little bell icon so you can be notified as new content drops. And I will see you again on Sunday for the latest news and rumors.